0: podcast is dedicated to exploring the relationship between our hair, our health, and our heritage. For my third season, I am sitting on the couch with influential psychologists, and I'd love to invite you to listen in as we explore the significance of mental health, the important relationship between psychologists and our communities, why culturally informed practices are important to us, and even some common myths about our work. And I'm so excited for this episode. I have Dr. William Cross sitting with me here today at the Association of Black Psychologists convention in Orlando, Florida. So he has been an influence to all black psychologists that study anything related to racial identity. In terms of his negrescence model that was first published in the 1970s, um, and he's constantly creating new works and even working on a book right now. So he's constantly producing and influencing the whole field of psychology, not just black psychology. And so I'm so excited. You can probably hear it in my voice how excited I am to have him here today. So, Dr. Cross, um, I do want to get a little bit into your history in terms of how did you decide that you would study psychology and specifically racial identity?
1: Yeah, the, uh, the black movement transformed me in multiple ways. Uh, I was born working class, and uh, the, the movement came along just at the time that the society was being put under pressure to open up things. So I went from... Probably going to be a post, working the post office or driving a bus, to all of a sudden finishing college and then I, I hit the scene just at the right time. Some things opened up uh, at a, a university. Next thing you know, I was a Ph.D. student. So, but it was really riding on the coattails of the black movement. So, mm.
0: so yeah, that's interesting that that was the driving force, not necessarily psychology itself.
1: No, in fa- <laughs> I, I mean I had an interest in psych. But uh, I would say w- what happened is that when I went to Princeton, uh, I had a job of assisting the new director of Black Studies. Mm-hmm. It turned out that he was incapacitated for the first year. <laughs> so then that meant I taught the first seminar. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and uh, then my article on the Negro to the Black conversion experience came out, mm-hmm. and then James Turner at Cornell connected with it. So... It wasn't a fluke, but it was uh, kind of an indirect way. So I, I became part of the, not the first line, but the, the quick second line of scholars mm-hmm. to establish African-American studies. Mm-hmm. In this case, 20 years at Cornell University. So I consider myself an Africanist and a social psychologist. Mm-hmm. And then my book, Shades of Black, anyone who reads it, It's as much information there about sociology and history as it is psychology, and Mm -hmm. I try to present all of those things.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I've heard your presentations before, and you usually do an in-depth review of history Mm -hmm. um, and it really being core to understanding current um, identity. I'm wondering, too, how did you develop your model? Like, how did that emerge?
1: It was first personal. Uh, Mm -hmm. When King was assassinated, it was almost like the top of my head blew off. (laughs) And I kept copious personal notes. And then as I became involved in the community, and in particular, there was a group in Chicago called OBASI, Organization for Black American Culture. And they had a Sunday session where they invited people to come in to talk about what they were going through. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So it started out that I thought I was going through something, and then I saw where other people were going through something, and I felt less shy about writing about it. Once I realized it wasn't just a personal event, it was a cultural event.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, uh, as a result of being exposed uh, to other people going through their changes and realizing that it seemed to be very similar to myself, mm-hmm. that's when I, I went from a personal statement to a collective statement. So,
2: mm-hmm. so
1: then I met the editor of uh, Black World, mm-hmm. Point Fuller. Uh, he encouraged me to, to write. Uh, and then I was courting my to be wife, and we were at Lily on the, maybe the third or fourth date, and she was typing away while I was dictating. Then I asked her whether or not she wanted to be co-author, and she said no. So, <laughs> And the next thing, and then Black World at the time was a little periodical that was read across the United States. It wasn't the Bible of the black community, but it was it was close to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it turns out there were three other people who had, who had written about the model at this exact same time but mine got published in a journal that was unique, and several of the other people faded away. Charles Thomas, mm-hmm. who was the first black president of ABCI, he was murdered, mm-hmm. and so that cut, cut short his voice.
2: Oh my goodness. And people don't
1: know that he never published his model.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: People knew about his model, because he talked about it, but he, he never published it. And then on the east coast was Bailey Jackson. Uh, he Rather than do research, he tended to go into consultation. And Jake Milanes at Pittsburgh, again, very similar model. He became interested in politics. Mm-hmm. So as these people faded away, and I and I went academic, then mm-hmm. then I got all the kudos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janet Helms is also associated with the early models because she more so than anyone else began to use the model to generate research. So two of her students, Robert Carter, mm-hmm. you know, and then the other is Tommy, Thomas Parham. Oh, yes. They I both produced know. some of the first empirical studies mm-hmm. on racial identity. Yeah. So in some ways, Helms almost single-handedly established uh, Negressance as a part of the counseling psychology discourse.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Just as Bob Sellers mm-hmm. uh, did the same with regard to mainstream psychology. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It seems odd that four people can that almost think the light, even though they're spread across the United States. Mm-hmm. But I discovered that each of them in their curriculum has studied transpersonal psychology. Mm-hmm. So transpersonal psychology talks about stages of, of development. And so they, we didn't know it, but we were looking at life through the same lens. We were looking at the same phenomena, which mm-hmm. was blackness. And, and we wrote in four different places in the United States, and yet we, in a sense, were talking about the same thing.
0: Yeah, well, kind of like you were saying, it's such a shared experience yeah. in terms of this process of becoming black. So you even had a pre-encounter yourself? Oh, absolutely. You yeah. were in that yeah, stage? Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I uh, uh, was kind of a favored kid. Uh, my light skin complexion caused whites to give me more status than, than maybe I should have deserved. Uh, and I, I probably was headed toward a mainstream psychology
2: yeah.
1: program. And then when I lit up with blackness, mm-hmm. I mean that changed. I went, I went from wanting to be a psychologist, period, to being a black psychologist.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. So a real shift in identity. I, oh,
1: absolutely it, radical. It was really I was radical. You. Okay. Now I, li- I lived all the things that I wrote about, but I, I, when I wrote about it, by then I had seen it in other people. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. It started personal and then it became collective. So. Mm-hmm.
0: And then how did you develop the Chris? What did that? Look
1: the, the Chris. I, I ended up at, at Penn State. Uh, and Beverly Vandever, who I hope you interview her sometime, uh, approached me about developing uh, a scale. I had never de- done, developed a scale. And then there, there was a team of us, Frank Rowell, who's now at uh, UCAL Berkeley, Peony Fagan-Smith, uh, who's, who's since gone on to become a scholar and on right at Wheaton. So anyway, we sat down to actually develop a scale to define blackness. But as we sat in the room, so to speak, and realized how we were different mm-hmm. and how we viewed things differently, then we, we said, you know, this is the way black people are. Mm-hmm. We're, we don't think alike. <laughs> so that caused us to go from wanting to define blackness to define the range of blackness. Mm-hmm. So our scale tries to tap uh, deliberately the fact that black people don't think alike. And so we tried to deal with one extreme, which would be assimilated, the other extreme, kind of multicultural, and then uh, Afrocentricity mm-hmm. as, as well. Mm-hmm. So we, we never believed that Afrocentricity was the way to, to define blackness. Mm-hmm. I know some people do, but we felt like that, that was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That we, we just had too many friends who were out to lunch with regard to uh, how they put together blackness. So. Yeah.
0: I guess that's where my research is somewhat similar in terms of recognizing the range of hairstyle choices yes, for men and yes. women in terms of expressions of their identity wearing a very straight and maybe even have a Eurocentric aesthetic versus having more natural styles of locks or braids yeah. and so um, I'm really trying to assess um, their black experience yeah. through their choices because it is a choice in how we style ourselves and our bodies and body image.
1: It's um, But our research has shown
2: Mm
1: that. Let me back up People try to relate Identity to mental health Mm. The suggestion being If you have the right kind of identity You will be more mentally healthy Mm. We have destroyed that That's a myth Mm. (coughs) Identity tells you What direction in life you're going in But for the most part Your mental health is really established By the way you were raised uh, Early Mm on Uh, this is a little bit of a radical notion. So if you, if you by, by the age of 12, most of our personality dimensions are set. We become more sophisticated over time. But if I'm shy at age 12, I'm going to be kind of shy at, later on in life. But it, it won't be a childish shyness. I'll, I'll have an adult way of negotiating that. So instead of jumping into the conversation, I'll come in maybe at the end or something. Mm-hmm. That Identity is really your, your frame of reference, how you organize your values, what's important to you, what are your preferences, and so on. So the point I'm trying to make is that black people find many identities, and guess what? They often service their mental health. It, what, what makes the difference between one identity and another is whether or not you give priority to the black community. So if I have an assimilated identity, it may help me to be happy and grounded in a psychological sense, but I will spend most of my time doing Americanized things. Mm-hmm. If I'm multicultural, I will tend to split my time within organizations. Uh, so this this notion that we should always study mental health drives me crazy. <laughs> Instead, we should be following people around and seeing how they spend their time. What kind of thoughts do they have? What mm-hmm. books do they read? Mm-hmm. When they go online, what, what are they exploring? Mm-hmm. So identity directs you But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be um, mentally healthier. Your mental health is going to be established by the way you were raised between the age of Mm -hmm. infancy and and 12.
0: Yeah. So childhood sounds so critical. Oh, it's absolutely critical. And
1: we, 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 in my new book, I show that we have been much too hard on ourselves. We have have a history of positive socialization. Poverty ends up interfering. Mm. Poverty just distorts so much about, about, about us as a people. <clears throat> but we still have too many negative ideas about uh, ourselves and what slavery did to us and so on.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, my book will be a little upsetting because I, <laughs> I show that during slavery, <clears throat> we were able, we don't know what percentage of people, but a lot of people came out of slavery and within 10 or 15 years they were successful. Now the only freaking way you can explain that is that somehow they were raised correctly while they were slaves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, then, yeah. and then those qualities are portable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The, the things that you were using to service the master, so to speak, now you can service yeah. your own agenda.
0: Yeah, so even having a lot of skill sets yes. um, and marketable things. But also I've heard that during enslavement that it was almost more likely that people were raised by their families, and even yes. now in terms of negotiating, yeah. actually being socialized. Yeah, after
1: 1807, mm-hmm. when they passed a law uh, making it illegal to import, import us from mm-hmm. Africa, there were a few shifts that continued. But for the most part, it was uh, the owners referred to it as breeding. Mm-hmm. We refer to it as birthing. Mm-hmm. So birthing became the way in which the owner made money. But then he wanted to make sure that those children grew up to be relatively strong and psychologically healthy. This is the, this is the, this is the paradox of slavery. One human being wants another human being to service them. But he doesn't want a psychotic. He doesn't want a schizophrenic, right? Mm-hmm. So within reason, he wants the community to produce a person who's pretty humanized.
2: Mm-hmm. The only
1: thing he wants is that they not be rebellious and not want to kill him. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's not funny, but uh, you get my drift. Yeah. So we've underestimated the percentage of people who came out of slavery who were ready to go. And that's why you get the black towns, the all-black mm-hmm. towns. That's why you get tremendous progress within the first 12 years. Mm-hmm. I think the draconian ways in which whites began to lynch us and so on is a result they were scared of the amount of strength that we were showing in freedom wow yeah,
0: yeah this is psychology <laughs> yeah
1: yes, yes. Psycho- psychology and history coming, to yes, coming together so. they
0: mer- definitely merged together um, and I've
1: probably gotten off t- t- topic. No, this so, is part So bring me perfect. back to... Uh,
0: yeah, and so even thinking about the work that you're continuing to do, and the purpose of this conference is Afrofuturism, yeah. thinking about what's next. How do you envision the next, let's say, 50 years in psychology yeah. and even black psychology?
1: So much of what we're experiencing now it has a socioeconomic base to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, for example... When the egressence was happening in the 70s, the society could, couldn't run fast enough to keep up with our demands. And so you, all of a sudden we went from being working class to being professors, being art, artists, being coaches, just explosion of opportunity for us as a people. But we didn't know it, but at the same time, there was something called deindustrialization that was occurring, in which it was shutting down a lot of the factory jobs in the inner cities. And so it just, it just stopped the ability of us to take advantage of, of progress. Uh, and so you go from street life, the hood, and so on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: These things happen because of the collapse of the economic base of, of, of blackness in the inner cities. Yeah. It's still a problem. Because mm, yes. remember, whites were never slaves, but when deindustrialization hit them 10 years later, guess what, drug addiction, Destru- destruction of family and so on. So we should have we should have reached a point when the president Trump was going for election, where race should have had less weight, mm-hmm. because the stuff was happening was happening if you will, mm-hmm. both in the black community. He did a marvelous job. I'm not. I don't. <laughs> yeah, he he, ra- he racialized. Yay. He racialized the pain, so that whites began to think that it was race that was causing their pain rather than the closing of the factories. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, and, of course, we get lost in the drift because we still are spatially isolated. Our it, it almost exaggerated the importance of our spatial isolation. Mm-hmm. So as long as you have black communities, Latino communities, then the observers would say it's race mm-hmm. or it's ethnicity. And when it hit the white community, they couldn't say that. Mm-hmm. And, and yet it, it, has, it hasn't led to uh, the kind of... Revolution in in, in economics that we would like. But now, where am I going with this? I think a lot depends on whether or not we're able to provide an economic basis for black families and black people. And if if the larger society can't solve some of these problems, then we're going to do what the Irish did, what Jews did, what the Italians did, form gangs and we have gangsterism and that becomes the basis of our life. And so many of our guys will end up in prison as, as a result of that mm-hmm. there's, people don't understand they should the kind of, kind of behavior that our brothers and sisters were showing in, in street life is the same thing that the Irish mm. Italians and the Jews did in the 30s when there's not an economic base you stop being culturally progressive and you tend to live in the here and now and that often turns on the buck you can make mm-hmm. on the street
0: Wow so so this is an economic story
1: it's going to be an economic story. Uh, we are right now split like hell. I mean uh, you and myself and others we're living relatively comfortable we're we 're not part of the one percenters, but we're not striving you 're not hurting for the last next meal, and yet we have people who are literally hurting for the next meal and when that happens, when people don't have enough resources, they stop marrying, they don't stop dating. They don't stop having, no, seriously, they don't stop having relationships, but then it falls on the woman, because the children usually usually stay with the woman. You don't find a split between half the men, half the women, no, no. And so it ends up being a vicious circle. And then you have people who then come and look at us, and they say, oh, it's our family. No, 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 no. As soon as you get opportunities for reasonable levels of employment, guess what? People court, and they marry.
0: So relating it back to the family as well. That's yeah. really interesting in terms That's of... That's why I get a
1: little frustrated that we, here at ABC we go crazy with regard to culture. And I, I know that culture is important. Mm-hmm. But you have to relate culture to the economy. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't do that, you're creating myths.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I've I read um, excerpts of Claude Anderson's book, Powernomics. Mm-hmm. And he said that during the height of slavery in the 1800s that 99% of black people worked for white people and then he said in the 2000s 99% of black people worked for white people in terms of navigating um, an economic base. Do you think that ABCI should have its own physical brick and mortar space to have conferences or do the work in in that way?
1: The biggest challenge to ABCI is to broaden its uh, net. Mm -hmm. It is so conscripted is provided such a narrow definition of how to be black. Mm. There are a lot of brothers and sisters. They're beautiful. They're out there, but they don't feel as though they would be welcomed. Mm. And if that keeps going, ABC is going to fade, 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 fade. Mm. So uh, when I first joined ABC, Wade Boykin, mm-hmm. James Jones, AJ Anderson. I mean, this this was this is part of our home, mm-hmm. and uh, these are empiricists. Uh, they. They study blackness from an empirical point of view, but they use theories mm-hmm. that were usually very informed by culture and race. Yes. Uh, we're just not seeing people mm-hmm. like that showing. Mm-hmm. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that's
1: our biggest challenge, I think.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking about too how their work is understood by the next generation too yeah. Yeah. of scholars, and so I'm a professor and make sure to reference them and. Um, Dr. Boykin was on my dissertation committee. Yeah. I went to Howard. And so I can remember being almost tearful at points in his classes when it was really speaking to me about yeah. this, you know, his conceptualizations of the triple quandary and yeah. other factors to really capture the experiences and expand um, the essence of being black. So, yeah. so okay, so it sounds like you're, you're seeing the future of really being more inclusive. Um, of I just <laughs> am
1: saying that there are people who have commitment to blackness, mm-hmm. but they do it differently. Mm-hmm. Okay, They don't believe that the Egyptian mystery scripts are the wherewithal for being black. Mm-hmm. And it, they don't want to take away from people who believe that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's unfortunate that people who believe that put up a brick wall that almost says to them, you're not welcome. Now, if, you, mm-hmm. if you say over and over and over again that Empirical studies are white. If you say over and over and over again mm-hmm. that certain theory, I mean, I mean, in a sense, you're you're saying to people you don't you don't belong here. Don't mm-hmm. come here. We don't want to deal with you. Well, mm-hmm. well, well fine. Then your membership is going to evaporate. So. Mm-hmm. We 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 didn't die when we were all in the same room in the past and when Wade was here <laughs> and so on. Uh, it was fun mm-hmm. and we had different camps, but mm-hmm. it was almost like okay, you know, this the bigger the bigger issue is the health of the black community. Yes. Okay. And and yeah. no one was arrogant enough to think, well, my way was the way. We were kind of slipped into that. So
0: mm. okay. So hopefully we can slip
1: I out. I well, I don't know. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't have any answers. You're <laughs> okay, asking you me, don't a, know the future. I'm not going to lie to you. But I, I don't have the answer. Uh, I do. I do know that uh, I'm not alone. I'm 79, mm. but there are people across the age bands, including yourself,
2: mm-hmm.
1: where we have a strong commitment to the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe that the truth can be dug up by research and by study, by case studies, and so on. We think there's a, there's a place for stressing Africanity, but there's, there's an, also a place for a more multicultural frame. And, and I, 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 that, that's what keeps me going at 79, is the beauty of, of, hear, of hearing all those voices. I hear a chorus, I don't just hear a single voice. So.
0: How musical is that? This has been a pleasure hearing thank the you. stories that I have never heard before that I definitely will be sharing with the future of Black Psychology, Association of Black Psychologists, and just any listener that wants to understand blackness better and digressance. So thank you so, 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 so well, much, Dr. Cross. I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank
1: you it. everyone in the audience. So yeah, and so you.
0: how how can people find out about your next book, Um, we want well, to hear more if, information. If my
1: publisher does well. well. I don't have a publisher yet. I just finished the manuscript because I have uh, some illnesses.
2: Mm.
1: I was a little bit of a race for time.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: none of them are stressing me out, but things can pop up, and I want I wanted to finish the book even before I had a publisher. So mm. I'm going to be going after a publisher in the next month. Mm -hmm. Can
0: can you tell us what the book is about or is that going to interfere with the publisher? No,
1: (laughs) that's going to be another hour (laughs) or (laughs) so. I I revisit Negrescence. I talk about double consciousness. Uh, I go back and make statements about slavery. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I go very strongly uh, I guess you would say the word attack. Mm -hmm. The deficit perspective. Mm -hmm. I, I talk about its origins how it's based on some faulty research and that we've lost so many years arguing about whether their deficits are real or not. Mm. Uh, and I show where those original research was mm. not was not very good in the first mm. place. So, okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, is there a way that people can find out more information about what you're doing, a website? Sure. My, or a, I,
1: guess, mm. I guess the best thing is uh, my email, mm-hmm. which is william.com cross at d for david u for university uh, dot edu
0: okay all right he gave the email contact yeah and so um as always you can follow the latest psychotherapy information through our website psychotherapy.org or instagram handle at psychotherapy it's in the title of this podcast so hopefully you can spell it and of course <laughs> if you like this podcast please consider sharing it to anyone who would be interested in knowing the significance of the history and studies of black identity, racial identity, and even some of the future research as it connects to the past. So in closing, let's remember that a path to healthy hair is having strong roots. Thank you so much.
1: As I bawled at
0: 79. (laughs) (laughs)